Welcome to Foundations, a podcast from Field Partner. We're an online portal of resources, training materials, courses and coaching for cross-cultural workers at each stage of their journey. This podcast is the home of our biblical teaching, which is an essential foundation for effective cross-cultural work and for following Jesus faithfully. For free courses, blogs, interviews and more, check out our website, fieldpartner.org, and follow us on social media to keep up to date with our latest resources. This is Ross Patterson with the podcast. I thought it would be useful this time to give some thought to the subject of the last days, by which we mean uh, the time that draws near before the Lord Jesus returns. And let me say that I think sometimes we spend a lot of time working out our maps and charts and so on. And the key scripture to remember there is that Jesus said, Only the Father knows. However, having studied the scriptures recently, particularly with the help of uh, material from Derek Prince and others, four scriptures, I think, are really important on this subject. And they're not to do with the when and the how and the what and the where. They're actually to do with how should we prepare and what should our attitude be. So that's what I want to share this month. Four uh, passages of scripture, very basic ones. The first one is, if you like, a general guide as to where we are, and it's in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Uh, and the word perilous is um, somewhat descriptive, at least, of the age in which we live. Banks collapse, economies struggling, terrorism and so on. There are days when increasingly it's hard to be stable outside the Lord Jesus. So perilous times will come, and then the writer, uh, Paul, writing to Timothy, describes them. Men and women will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Those uh, pretty powerful description, isn't it, of at least some aspects of our generation, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. And if you wanted three lovers' descriptions to describe our generation, very much they're true, aren't they? And then you've got these other uh, um, descriptions, boasters, proud, blasphemers, brutal, unthankful, unholy, and so on. I read uh, an interesting comment today from Word for Today where Apparently, Chuck Colson, he was the man that used to work with President Nixon, um, <clears throat> finished in prison for his crimes, became to the Lord Jesus, and now runs prison ministry and some very um, important Christian ministry. Apparently, was at Buckingham Palace with Prince Philip, and Prince Philip said, what on earth are we going to do about rising crime in the country? And uh, Chuck Colson's answer was, get more people into Sunday school. Uh, and his, his reaction, I think Prince Philip's reaction, th- meant that he thought Chuck Colson was joking. But Chuck Colson pointed to a recent study 
which suggested that at one point, a number of years ago, England was riven with serious juvenile crime and the Sunday school uh, movement was raised up and 75% at one point of British young people were in Sunday school and crime dropped proportionately. Where there is no influence of God's word, where there is no understanding of of the Lord Jesus, crime multiplies. Lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. All right, now the second passage of scripture is in Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, it's, it's an important passage because given where we are, and I'm not saying we're in the last 10 minutes or the last 20 minutes or the last decade. I'm saying that certain, a general description of our generation would suggest that that is possible. So what is God going to do? in the face of this, if you like, defection from following him. Well, in Hebrews 12, verse 25, it says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. That Hebrews 12.27 is a very important verse for understanding how God approaches this situation. What essentially our Heavenly Father is saying is, In his time, in his way, he will shake all things. And the purpose of shaking uh, is very clear. The purpose of shaking is to distinguish between that which is not built on him, which will collapse, and that which is, which will stand. If you know scripture, you know that Jesus spoke of building on the rock. Uh, Build on the rock, of course, his word his uh, his scriptures, his Bible, and the way that teaches us to live. And what I think Hebrews 12 is saying, and in a sense we both don't know and somewhat tremble at what that might mean, what it's saying is that God is going to shake all things, governments, banks, uh, families, our own lives, our own security, everything, to discover if you like, in our hearts and lives and communities and societies, what is built on his word and what is not. Now, in a sense, 20, 30 years ago, we may have felt that was uh, a bit far-fetched. But when you look at the back of the last couple of years, when uh, huge uh, sections of our societies have are in serious danger of collapsing, the whole bank crisis, the whole mortgage crisis, uh, ordinary stable lives in America, in Europe, in uh, uh, China even, and other places are, uh, if not collapsed, are in serious danger of doing so. We have been shaken. Uh, those institutions of government and otherwise that we consider to be incredibly stable suddenly uh, are rocking with great instability. Now, if we take this scripture literally, which I do, and I don't know what it means in in every detail, and I don't know God's time for it, 
it would suggest that God is going to be more and more engaged in shaking rather than less and less. So those uh, institutions and uh, particularly financial security, which we have considered to be our right in the West, may not continue. And there are incredible changes taking place. There, there uh, Things that are happening in the West are, are just as one example. Uh, Greece, uh, bankrupt. Spain, near bankruptcy. Italy, near bankruptcy. Britain, in a terrible state. France, needing to cut $100 billion in the next, or it's probably euros, actually, but almost the same, in the next three years. Uh some sources in Britain saying that governments will have to cut budgets by 90%. And even within that, uh, extraordinary, in Britain and Australia, almost simultaneously, elections resulted in hung parliament. So it's, it's difficult even to govern uh, in many ways. So the institutions that we considered so stable are suddenly exceedingly unstable. Now, I'd ask you at least to consider that, that, that God is, is doing that deliberately. It's not a ransom, random process. It's not, uh, outside of his control. It's well within his control. It's intentional. Then again, in, uh, the third scripture I want to look at is in 2 Peter 3, but, but the day of the Lord, 2 Peter 3 verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great uh, noise and the elements will melt uh, with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up. Therefore, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness? So Scripture 1 describes uh, our current state. Scripture 2, Hebrews describes how God is going to respond to that in his way and his time. Scripture 3, very important for you and for me, says how we should respond to that. Therefore, since these things, um, 2 Peter 3.11, will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness? And then he goes on, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. As I see it, what, what Peter is saying here is these things are uh, are coming to us. How should we prepare for them? And generally, he gives two specific instructions. One, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? The first is a pursuit of holiness. Uh, I was teaching this morning uh, a group of lovely young folk who are uh, committed to serving the Lord uh, for six months, a year, or a lifetime. Uh, and uh, I can't go into the details, but China might have something to do with it. And uh, we were reading quotes from Toza, that great man of God. And Toza made an interesting comment. He said this, if you don't know anything of the fear of God, he said, I seriously question if you have any real understanding of the love of God. And I quoted that lovely, my favorite is it one or two lines of uh, British hymnology? Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace those fears relieved. When we come into that sense of the fear of God, 
only the grace of God can relieve us into peace with God. That's the gospel, if you like. But here the application, the writer to, uh, to Peter says in his letter, he says, in holy conduct and godliness. That's the challenge. As I build on God's word, as I obey God's word in the power of the Holy Spirit, my life must become one that can be measured by these three words or four words, holy conduct and godliness. It's not a time to be careless. Uh, very simple, almost stupid analogy, but it, when you were young and you were in class and you're messing around and making uh, trouble, if you know a, a, a strong teacher is about to enter the room, you sit down. I remember uh, I was at boarding school uh, for uh, for various reasons in my youth, and there was one big dormitory where the person in the bed at the end could see down the corridor. And every now and this, every now and then this cry would come, jazz, jazz. And that meant the deputy headmaster, who was quite a strong, fierce character, was coming down the corridor. Everybody climbed into bed, behaved themselves, looked uh, angelic and so on. Now, if I know the Lord is coming, if I know he's going to shake, I want to build in that which is holy conduct and godliness. Secondly, the second category of preparation he gives us is looking for and hastening the coming day of God. Looking for and hastening the coming day of God. Now, if we go to the fourth scripture, I believe Jesus was very specific about that. In the fourth scripture, which is Matthew 24, the disciples, uh, Jesus says the, the temple and all with it uh, will be removed. And uh, the disciples in verse 3 say, tell us, when will these things be? And Jesus talks of various things. He talks of uh, earthquake. He talks of famine. He talks of wars and rumors of wars uh, in verses 6 and 7 of Matthew 24 uh, and says these are the beginning of sorrows. And all of these things are what we would say in Chinese are beidunga. They're things that happen to us, not things we choose to do. But then Jesus gives one thing we can do. Remember, we're talking about looking for and hastening the day of the Lord. He gives us one thing that we can do which will hasten the day of the Lord. And it's this, Matthew twenty-four fourteen, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. Very simple. This is the earthquakes happen to us. We don't choose them. Famines happen to us. We don't choose them. For the vast majority of population like you and me, wars happen to us. We don't want to get involved with them. We don't choose them. The one thing we can choose to do, Jesus says, is this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And many of you will know, uh, the word nations will be preached in all the nations, in all the world, to all the nations. The word nations is ethnos. It means uh, not just China, say, but some people say the four to five hundred people groups in China, some of whom have never had a church and never had a witness. The one thing Jesus says that we can do to look for and hasten his coming is to be involved in the proclaiming of the gospel to all nations. Now, I said four scriptures. There's one more 
which in closing I must quote, because I was sharing this recently in Australia, and I went out before the Lord and said, well, wait a minute, then why shouldn't people just say to you, Lord, um, Lord, I'm actually not yet shaken sufficiently, so I'm pretty happy down here, so I'm just going to hang around here and uh, enjoy myself, kind of, when we want you, we'll let you know. And I feel what the Lord did is directed me to 1 Corinthians 3, where Paul says, I laid a foundation, which is Jesus Christ, that every man be careful how he builds on that foundation. Some will build with gold and silver and precious stones. What, what about gold, silver and precious stones? They don't fear fire. Some will build with wood and hay and stubble. And as soon as they meet fire, uh, they're burnt up. And Jesus says, we will be tested. The work that we've done on earth, whether we've lived for self or whether we've lived to look for and hasten his kingdom by uh, preaching the gospel to all the nations and supporting that financially and in prayer and so on, uh, the Lord will come and test our works. And he makes a very frightening statement that some will be saved, but only as through fire. It's like, because we've trusted in Jesus, we'll be saved, but Literally, our lives will be shown to have been somewhat of a disgrace that are, are burnt up as worthless. Others who've obeyed the Lord in the way I'm describing and in other ways as God has called them to be faithful will receive a reward, which I believe will lay down before the Lord Jesus because it's all him. And I feel what the Lord said to me when I said, Lord, well, why would people do this? The answer is because Jesus told us to, and to disobey in this is to risk that judgment of believers which will come. We want to have crowns because we've obeyed the Lord in doing what he told us, which is making sure we're involved in cross-cultural mission and the other things he tells us to do and seeking to build them up. Well, Jesus says to you, in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the day of the Lord. Living that way, we're on a rock, and we don't feel the shaking. Living our way, we're not, and there are perilous times now and to come, now from the hand of men, in future from the hand of God. I found these scriptures helpful, and I trust you will do too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to take your word seriously. We kind of feel sometimes it's just going to carry on as it ever was, but Lord, you're sending signals now in our day that things are changing. Help us to build upon the rock in obedience and holiness to you, in love to you, Lord, in the fear of God, which is clean. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you found this resource encouraging. Why not subscribe to be notified of our future episodes? You can also check out our sister podcast, simply called Field Partner featuring inspiring stories from experienced missionaries. Follow us on social media or sign up to our newsletter via the website to stay up to date on our latest resources.